This evening, I'm getting ready to share with you all on God's faithfulness. And I'm so excited. It's like worship set it up for me. I was like, yes, because God showed me something really, really exciting as I was on my way home yesterday. And um, listen, the last time that I preached, I told Pastor Mitch that I never want to teach again. Because it just, I felt so attacked. And I told him, and, and this last time, he's like, you're going to teach. I said, no, I'm not. He's like, you're going to do it, because if you don't do it, you'll never do it again. So let me just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the honor and the privilege, Father, to just deliver just a word. Lord, this word encourages my heart. Um, so I thank you that you have first encouraged me, and you're still encouraging me with it. God, I pray for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to just minister life to every person under the sound of my breath. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to talk about God, and pastor's teaching on faithfulness, I wanted to do something that was going to be a compliment um, to where he's headed with that. I think, you know, doing things like that on the team is just really wonderful, and I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to do that. Um, so thank you, Pastor Mitch, for trusting me to deliver this. So as we were, like, looking at everything, I'm looking at his subject and what he's doing, I said, you know, God, I want to talk about your faithfulness, because it's like Steve said, I've been there. When we came down to zero, and let me tell you, God, like, miraculously shows up, and I have so many stories, it would take the rest of my life to tell them. I cannot, there's not a day that I have ever lived that I've never, since I've been walking with Jesus, that I haven't seen a miracle. That's just facts, because I look for them. They encourage me for the next day. They encourage me when I lay down. So this is just, you know, we all know this stuff, but it's just to keep our heart just kind of warm and fuzzy with the Lord. Like Anne said, it causes me to love him even that much more. I love, love him all over again. So one of the character traits of God is that God is faithful. It's his name. You know, when I say God, you know, he's merciful. It's like I've quit saying that. I said, God, you are mercy. So it's not that God shows faithfulness. He is faithful. It can't be separated. Kelly was singing about his names. It can't be separated from him. Deuteronomy 7, verses 8 through 11 in the um, ESV, the English Standard Version, this is what the word says. It says, but it is because the Lord loves you. Okay, so here's the because. He's giving us the why. It's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath, his promises, his covenant, that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And verse 10 says, And repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. God's rules are pretty simple. They're very easy. It's just surrender your life to him and let him lead you. That's it. Just believe. Just believe. Because when we start believing that he is God and we see him for who he is, our eyes are off of everything else and it's just on the Lord. You know, but he does this. He keeps his covenant with us because he loves you and I. That's it. I gave you the why right there. God keeps his word simply out of his love for us. Faithful use here in verse 9. It says he is the faithful God. Um, in the Hebrew tongue, it is used in the feminine sense, and what it indicates to you and I, it's like when you think about a mother 
holding that newborn baby, feeding the baby. You know, the name El Shaddai, it's all-sufficient one. Super, and the thing with that name, it's amazing. It's amazing when you study it out. It goes right back. It's like you get a picture of a baby on a mom's breast. You see like the breast of God. That's where he's got you in his care. That's what he means when he says, I am the all-sufficient one. You know, so I've got it here in my notes. So when you study the Hebrew out of that word faithful, you get the picture of a mother's breast. Or, or God's breast, like you're right here, and that is the need, and, and that's where all of your needs are going to be met. How many times have you called God faithful in your life? It's just become a cliche, just something that we say without even the thought that that is his name and it can't be separated from him. Um, a baby cannot walk, a baby cannot talk, a baby cannot feed itself. Have you ever seen a baby feed itself? I've just never, I wish that they wouldn't run in. Wish they could change their own diapers. I really, you know, we pray for those in the nursery. I wish sometimes these babies can change their diapers, but they can't. They are completely dependent on someone else to take care of them. They are insufficient in every way to take care of themselves. And that is how we are with the Lord. There is zero worry for that baby. All, they'll either sleep, they'll cry, or they'll just lay there. And all their needs are being met. Have you ever tried just to sleep, cry, or just lay there? You'd be staying there forever as an adult. But a baby has no worry in the world. They don't have to think about how is this going to happen. They're just there. And I believe that sometimes God just wants us right there. Wouldn't it be a good place? You know, I always think back. It's like we were going up to the mountains um, last weekend, and my kids were in the car. I said, you all have no worry. And I'm driving through these roads thinking, God, please let me not fall (laughs) off. Yeah. But they had no worry. They're talking. They're listening to their music. They're doing whatever they're doing in the car. And every time that my kids are in that car and not even thinking about how we're getting from point A to B or all of the things that can hit that car, I give God praise because I'm like, Lord, that's where I want to be. I desire to be there. And God desires even more for you and I to get to that resting place where he is the all-sufficient one for us. So there's five things. Um, Listen, God really loves you. I just feel like I just got to let you know you are so loved by God. And if we just realize that, everything in life just becomes small things. Small, right? Um, There are five things that shows us that God is faithful. Number one that I have here on these notes, and my notes are online in your seat pockets. We've got some really cool cards. There's, some res- there's a resource card. You can just scan that on your phone. It'll take you right to our notes. Number one, he is all-knowing. God is omniscient. He tells of things to come, predicting the future of a matter. Isaiah 46, verse 10 in the Amplified says, Declaring God is the one that's declaring the end and the result from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure and my purpose. God is also aware of what is happening in this world, and he is so aware of what's happening with his people. In Exodus 3, 7, with Moses, he said, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors. For I know their sorrows and their sufferings and their trials. So when I talk about Egypt here, Egypt in the sense, right, what is that? That is symbolic of sin in our lives. 
It's symbolic of bondage in our lives. And the, you will not get this message to its fullness if you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. If you don't believe that everything in there happened just as it was said. Okay? You can't walk in the fullness of God if you don't believe that everything in Scripture. I told my kids the other night, I said, there is nothing unanswered in Scriptures. Nothing. You know, we were talking about, I don't mean to divert, but maybe I need to say this. We were talking about Lot and his plight in life. You know, he was a righteous man, and the Bible says that his soul was vexed. But Lot was very silent in his sinful culture. Because the night when the angels came to destroy Sodom, the men in that city, they wanted to break Lot's door down and said, give me those men so we can have sex with them. Men with men. And Lot said, no, it it cannot be this way. They've come under the protection of my roof. You can't do this, but have my daughters. So I keep thinking about that. I was like, man, I don't know what was wrong with him. But then we see what was wrong. Lot stayed in his culture. See, he was, he was separated from Abraham. Abraham was 75. This is a cool thing, and I'm going to share with you what the Lord showed me about this yesterday. Abraham was 75 years old when God pulled him out of the Ur of Chaldeans. So they were a people that was idolatrous, a people that God was going to destroy. But out of those sinful people, God pulled Abraham out of there. And then he pulled Lot with him, and he pulled his wife. And Abraham left all of his inheritance, everything that he knew, and he went to follow this foreign God to him, a God that wasn't of his own family. So at some point, his nephew Lot separated from him, and Lot chose what looked good. The grass is greener on the other side. Abraham said, all this is before you, you choose. So Lot went right, and Abraham went left. Wherever Abraham went, God was already with Abraham. He already gave him his word. I'm going to take care of you, Abraham. See, I said it. Everything will be okay if we're just obedient. It's real simple. It's just obedience to the word. So Abraham obeyed without even thinking, man, I'm leaving all of my inheritance and everything that I know. Okay, God, you said it. I'll go. Something about the Lord compelled Abraham, and he went. And because he was obedient, we are here today. Okay, all of the nations of the world was blessed because of Abraham's obedience. You and I were engrafted into the kingdom of God because of Abraham's obedience. So Lot, let's go back to him. He, here's what happened. He got drunk after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, and his daughters ended up sleeping with him. This is all in the Bible, y'all. Like Jerry Springer. It's just all in the Bible. But Lot's girls, his daughters, he's drunk, and they go sleep with his dad, with their dad. How in the world could they have made such a decision? God had his hand on them. How in the world could they make that decision? I will tell you how. They were in that culture, but never stood out of that culture. See, it became familiar with them. So it's a warning to us as believers. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are to hate the things of this world. I love North Carolina, it's beautiful, but I don't love sin more than I love the Word of God. So as long as we get cozy with sin and sinful people, we will adopt their ways without even knowing it, and we will have the appearance of righteousness, but we will not have the true and living God. So back to my notes, I didn't mean to divert, but it's just a little like a squirrel, I'm like a squirrel. God wants us to see that in Abraham we are blessed. And everything, I told you, the cool thing that he showed me yesterday in Genesis 17, I'm driving home, and I got so super, I was like, Lord, 
I don't know if you could have shown me anything better yesterday. I told you every day is a miracle. Everything that we see that God was going to do, when he showed up to Abraham, he said, I am Genesis 17.1. If you go to the Amplify, it renders it really good. God's word translation, even better. But God says, I am the Lord God Almighty. Serve me and be perfect. And in that one thing, you see, I'm going to tell you tonight that God is all-knowing, that God is all-powerful. I said five things. God is everywhere. God never changes. And God never lies. And everything right there, I was like, you know, I need the God portion of this. And he just dropped it on me on, on my way home yesterday evening when I left here. And everything that he told Abraham, it happened just as he said. And everything that I'm saying right here, he was that to Abraham. He approached Abraham from the very beginning when Abraham was 75 years old and says, you know, I'm going to call you out and I'm going to make you nations. All the nations of the world is going to be blessed. Then when Abraham was 99 years old, God said, you know, I'm going to give you a son. And he was like, man, this body is dead. He was laughing. God was like, is anything too hard for me? And in that, we see a, sh- a shadow of what was to come with Jesus, y'all. That's what I was so excited. Every one of the promises was fulfilled when God talked to Abraham right there thousands of years ago. Christ was written right in there. He said, I will raise that dead body and a son will come forth. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. When Sarah laughed when she was inside, the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? God wasn't, where was he? He was outside with Abraham. How do you know that Sarah was laughing? This stuff will not work if you don't believe that the Bible is true. But when you begin to see it, you'll have revelation knowledge upon revelation knowledge that will change the rest of your life. You will become so excited about knowing this precious word because all of our promises are written right back there in Genesis 17, y'all. Everything is right there. The all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, showed up right there on the pages of Genesis 17.1. He said, I am everything, Brendan, that you'll need for the rest of your life, brother. Just follow me. That's it. That's it. So God is all-knowing, right? He is, his knowledge is perfect. Job 37.16 says, do you know how the clouds are balanced and poised in the heavens? The wonderful works of him who is perfect in knowledge. Who else is perfect in knowledge, right? And Job says, in Job 21, he said again, he said, will any person teach God knowledge, seeing that he is the one who judges those who are on high? Who can teach God? Do you want a God that you can teach something? Then he's not God. He's you. We, who we can't teach God. I don't want a God that I have to teach. I don't. You know, God is all-powerful, God almighty, omnipotent. We tend to worship God and evaluate his capability based on our ability, our strength. Would I do it this way? You know, Sarah even tried to help God in her own way, and she caused a mess. They're still in a mess, right? She, God said, I'll give you a son, and she tried to get a handmaiden. Her she said, well, okay, this is the way God's going to do it. God didn't need to Sarah to intervene. He is God. We have a mess even now because Sarah intervened. So we don't want a God that we could lead. We want God to lead us, right? So we want, we, when we do this, when we, when we place God in a box, we so limit what he can do in our lives. We limit him and we limit ourselves. And he has so much that he desires to do. We keep our expectations low, really low, when we measure God 
to our ability. When we look at our problems and we say, God, man, that's really big. How about we do the reverse and say, man, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to work that out. How, you know, yeah, we want to take our God and say, man, problem, you got nothing because I worship the King God. He is, y'all, he is my superhero. I told Josh yesterday, I have to start worshiping before I can even start praying. I, I pray, I talk to the Lord all the time. But there's a place of intercession that I get, and there's a place of warring in the spirit that I get when I start to pray. But it comes out of worshiping God. And I only want songs like, like Almighty God, He's a powerful God. Kelly, you were just singing things that are just so dear to me. Because when I start seeing Him as all powerful, Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Right? So God is, he is all powerful. He can do what is impossible. Genesis 18 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, he said, I'll return and Sarah at almost a hundred will have a son. How? Well, God raised Jesus from the dead after that. He did. If he could do that with Abraham's body, Christ was a sure thing. All right. Nothing is too hard for him to do. Jeremiah 32. God is using this prophet to warn the people of coming judgment. And after that, the restoration of their beloved city. So in Jeremiah 32, God says, ah, Lord God, this is Jeremiah. He says, is it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And God turns around and later on in the verse, he agrees with Jeremiah. He says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Jeremiah is having a conversation and God answers him. Nothing is too hard for me, son. Nothing. I can do all things. Right? God is all powerful in that he seals and he guides us. These are promises that you want to meditate on. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 in the Amplified Classic. Praise, honored, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4 says, born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay, imperishable, unsullied, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, for me. Right? Verse 5 says, who... You and I are being guarded, garrisoned by God's power through our faith, right? Till we inherit the final salvation that is ready to be revealed for us in the last time. God has set a seal upon you and I. His power, I said it when we started worship or when we were transitioning from worship. If you were able to overcome sin today, God is at work in your life. Without him, it's impossible to be good. We are born into sin, and our nature, apart from God, is to sin, to retaliate when someone hurts you, to have vengeance. But if you have overcome that today, the power of God is at work in you. He has sealed you until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something to to shout about, something to be happy about. All right, so number three... So God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. We know that God is faithful because he's always with us. The psalmist says in Psalms 139, 7 through 8, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, 
you are there. If I go to hell, if I go to the grave, you are there too. Psalms 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. There is someone that it doesn't matter if you're feeling down, if you're broken, if you're hurt, even if you're happy, there's someone that's there that's waiting for you to say, God, I need you. He is there when we call every time. Without fail, he is there, right? So no one can hide, not the wicked or the righteous. No one can hide from our God. Jeremiah 23, 23, verses 23 to 24. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. So he's close and he's far all at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all of the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? God is everywhere. He's everywhere. There's nowhere that we can go that we can hide. There's no secret sins that you and I can have apart from God. When we go into a room and do whatever we're doing, if you have asked Christ to come into your life, he goes into that room with you. Everything I listen to, he listens to. Everything I see, he sees too. He sees So you are never alone. I am never alone. Right? So, and number four, God never changes. Can you imagine if God was truly like us? Imagine him being moody. Hangry. He is nothing like us. And I'm so thankful for that. Right? Um, Imagine if he was just like a mind changer, that he would change his mind based on whether or not you did something good or something bad. He says, I love you always. Behold, I'm with you always to the very ends of the earth. That's all he says. He said, just believe in me. If God was like me, oh my gosh. He never changes, Leah. He's always the same. He's always the same. Malachi 3, 6 says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you, O sons of Jacob, You and I are the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, which was Jacob. God changed his name. So he says to you and I, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you, O sons of Jacob, you and I are not consumed. We're not consumed. He has mercy on us because he knows that we are just flesh, right? God doesn't change his his mind. Numbers 23 verse 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do what he has said or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? What are the promises that God has spoken to your heart? What have you asked him for according to his will? Because he has said whatever you ask according to my will, I'll do it. He hasn't changed his mind. He told Abraham that from 75 to 99, let me do the math, that's 24 years later, Abraham had a son. Abraham didn't see where he was going. God did. He knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes we just have to trust. But we don't lose faith because he is faithful who has promised. Amen. Um, So God's plan, his plan, and his purpose for this world through Christ Jesus has never changed. John John 3, verse 16 through 17 in the New King James Version. 
For God, and we all know this, this is one of the first things we learn as we become a believer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn Andrew and Cindy and Lana and Martha. He didn't send his son into this world to condemn Mira. But that this world where we are, where we would be born, would be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a promise that was there before the foundations of the earth. And God didn't change his mind, even though he sees exactly what our choices will be five years from now, tomorrow, later this evening, if we lose it. He hasn't changed his mind about providing salvation for us. Right? God is good. And he blesses us with everything good. Joshua was talking to me and said, God is immutable. That means unchanging, right? He just doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good thing comes from God, right? Every perfect possession, every complete gift, your children, your jobs, your breath, your health, everything good. What is good to you? It didn't say any bad at all. This scripture has nothing bad in there. So to say that God brings sickness and devastation on his children, what kind of father is he if he would do that? So when you hear God is just, maybe this is the will of God for you to be sick, that is a lie. That is the one thing that you could say to get me really angry at you because you're lying at the person I love the most. Okay? Nothing bad comes from him. It's right there, John 1. We should memorize that, John 1, 17. Every good and perfect thing comes from God, right? And it says, from the Father of all lights, so in him there's no darkness, right? With whom there is never the slightest variation or shadow of inconsistency. That's the amplified version of that verse. By his own wish, he made us his own sons and daughters, through the word of truth that we might be, so to speak, the first specimens of creation. He's coming back for this specimen called the church. That's a good word. That's something for you to be excited about. He had a plan for us, right? And number five, God never lies. God will always do what he has promised that he would do. He will always do it how he said that he would do it. He would do it the way that he says he would do it, and he would do it when he says he would do it, okay? He'll do it how he said it. He'll do it when he said it, and he'll, he'll just do it. But you've got to believe that. We don't pray what ifs. Well, God, I know this is happening right now, and, you know, but, but if this is your will for me, God doesn't need us sick and dying. What will he do with you in heaven? Does he have a need for our loved ones to be in heaven right now? When people start giving up on their lives, what does God need them in heaven for? The work is here. So I'm talking about we can live up to 120 years. I said, Lord, I want every day of it if Jesus tarries. Nothing less. Nothing less, Solomon. I want every day of it if Jesus tarries. 
and I'm going to be satisfied with life. My eyes will not be dim. My hearing will not be deaf. I will be able to walk and move and do everything that I'm, my mind will be right. This is the profession of faith. What does God need us in heaven for? That's not now. He's bringing heaven here to earth. So he needs us here to carry on the work of the ministry, right? Um, So he never lies about that. He will always do what he says. He's faithful because he's reliable. We want to be this way too. Romans 3, 3 through 4, Amplified Classic. What if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and his fidelity to his word? He's married to his word. Can't separate. They're one. His word and him, is they're one. By no means. Let God be found true, right? Um, though every human being is false and a liar, as it is written. That you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. So it's okay if people judge you. Lot would have been okay if he stood up for righteousness in that city. Perhaps the city would have been spared if Lot was doing what he should have been doing as a man who was walking after God's heart. Perhaps it would have been more than just him and his daughters. Perhaps God would have said to Abraham, I'm going to save Lot and his children because they are righteous too. God didn't do it because of Lot, beloved. He did it because he loved Abraham. Abraham asked for them. See? God knows the end from the beginning. And because of Lot's sin with his daughters, the Israelites are still at war with the the Moabites. They are. They've been a thorn in their side because they were the product of incest. See? God knows everything. He had a plan. He would have destroyed them in that too. So, anyhow. Study it out. So eternal life was promised for us. Titus 1, 2 says, my message is based. So the writer of Titus says, my message, my message is based on the confidence of eternal life. God, who never lies, never lies, promised this eternal life before the world began. Before the world began, he promised a life for you and I, a future and a hope, an expected outcome in living. Hebrews 6, 18 says, God cannot tell lies. And so his promises and his vows are two things that can never be changed, ever. He doesn't change his mind. We have run to God for safety. Now his promises should greatly encourage us to take hope of the hope that is right in front of us. When we say that God is faithful, beloved, it should cause us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can fully rely and trust in our King God. No doubts in your mind that when I'm down to zero, that God wouldn't show up. No doubt. No doubt when we get a a report from the doctor and says there's cancer in our bodies. No doubt when we go, is it God's will for us to have cancer? Tell me where it's in the Bible. We are not wicked. We're not without him, we are. But we are his children. How would it look... How does it look to God? How does it look to you? If you've got kids in here, I saw my kid going to school and his jeans looked like he was in a mechanic. I was like, why are you going to school like that? He's like, well, I don't care what people think. I said, but you're, you got stuff. We got stuff. You're not homeless. We got stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. We just 
we give our best in everything that we do, even in how we dress. You got better clothes. Let your teachers see that you care about even how you look, right? It's just true. That's how we represent. What does it look like to God? What kind of father does he look like to this world? And how does the enemy laugh at him when we are broke, busted, and disgusted? When we are walking around sick and limping all the time and we got more month than we have money? What does it look like? What, how are we representing him as his children when we are walking worse as believers than unbelievers are walking? Do we believe the word or not? And if we don't have something that we're believing for, go to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to believe for? Show me, help my unbelief, God. Help it. Help me to trust you even more. Because he desires to give you the very heavens. (laughs) He does. He says, fear not. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Luke 12. Fear not, little flock. So I put my name in my Bible, every one of them. Fear not, little Mira, for it's the Father's great desire to give you the very kingdom. I have no fear. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Ask my kids. Ask my staff. I just look at it and say, okay, it'll be all right. I'll cry for a minute, and I'll be like, it's going to be all right. Two minutes, Devel says, two minutes. I'll get over it because it will take more than what Satan has to move me. God moves me, right? So God is faithful because he's reliable. He cannot lie. When we say that he is faithful, it should cause us to know that we can 100% rely on him. So how can we grow? As I wrap up, how can we grow in our trust that he is faithful? So I know we can't trust people that we don't know. We can't trust people that we don't know. Do you know the Lord? If you knew him, you would trust him. How do you know him? Well, how can we grow in this? Let's reflect. Here's, an, here's some homework for you. Please, I beg you to do this. I beg you. It'll change your life. If you start living like this, it'll change your life. Reflect. Think back on all of the times in your life where you were perhaps in sin without Jesus, even if you're with him, and recall all of the things that he has spared your life from. All of it. Look back and record ways that God has showed up for you. Remember, only good comes from him. It's not by happenstance or circumstance that you got good coming your way. He was chasing you. Look for it. Look for the evidence of him being in your life. Meditate. Meditate and read on what the Bible says about faithfulness. There are over 2,000 verses that talks about him being faithful. Over 2,000 in the Bible. Do you think he wants us to know that he is faithful? He can't be separated from that word. It's his character. It's an attribute of God. And the last part of this, choose to trust him. We get to choose to follow his way of doing things. Choosing obedience will always bring. It will attract the blessings of God. The Bible says the curse causeless does not come. So when bad things start happening in my life, I'm like, Lord, what have I done? Where have I opened the door? And I'll always find that it's something that I've done, something that I've said, a thought that I had. Job was a righteous man, a good man, but he had a thought, and the enemy came for his thought. 
Every morning he'd go pour out offerings to the Lord and because he thought, what if my kids did something bad and he was filled with worry about them? I've had to stop recently worrying about my children. I have to say that, God, I have raised them at the altar. I have raised them to follow righteousness. And what they choose to do is between you and them. I can't save them. I can't. How they live, it's, up, it's between you and them, God. No one comes to you unless you draw them. Father, I ask that you draw Isaiah, Hannah, Lee, and Elijah. Don't let up on them. Any relationship in their lives that are not for them, break it off. Break it off. I don't want my kids to have people that they have to lead to the Lord. I want them to have husbands that will lead them strong. And if they're a wife, I want them to lead their family strong. But I want their husbands to know God more than they ever would know and love God. Right? So this, I trust God. I depend on him because this is what his word says. For my sons, I want them to have wives that love the Lord more than they will ever love my sons. Because then everything will be okay. Right? We got to surrender. So we choose to follow his ways of doing things. Choosing obedience brings the blessings of God. God is ready to show himself strong to us all, you and I. But we deny him this opportunity time and time again. When we begin to choose his ways over our own, we will begin to see his faithfulness in our lives. We will begin to watch every promise spoken in the word is for you and I. We will begin to see them unravel. The blessings chase us when we're obedient to his word.